Welcome home, everyone. Thank you for joining in on this episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. Welcome Home is a podcast where I, your host Josh, sit down for a conversation with different people who I admire and discuss whatever's on their mind, and especially focus on life at home in times like this. Wherever you are and however you're listening, thank you for your support, and once again, welcome home. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining in on this week's episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. I want to start off the show by thanking all of you for choosing to press play on this episode. Um, And like I do at the beginning of every week, uh, I want to remind you guys how thankful not only I am, but my whole family is for the people who support um, what the Katinas do. and especially thank people, anyone who's ever given financially to the Katina's ministry. Uh, sincerely, we couldn't do what we do if it weren't for people like you. And so if you want to um, partner with the Katina's, the best way to do that is to go to thekatinas.com. You'll find a give button there um, and you can figure it out from there. But uh, again, thank you guys so much. I uh, appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Today uh, is, a, is a special day for me. We have a first-time guest here in the building, and let me turn my headphones down just a little bit because my voice is screaming in my, I'm in my ears. Um, like I said, we have a first-time guest here, and this is someone who has known my family, I don't know how long, but at least, oh, he's flashing at me 30 years now. Um, so he goes way back with the Katinas and uh, is someone that I know just talking to my dad and being around him as I've grown up, someone that the Katinas admire and and value just uh, who he is and his wisdom, especially when it comes to music and the music industry, and is someone who uh, this year has really been an encouragement to me as I've been making music every day. He'll reach out every once in a while and let me know he's listening. And so uh, he's someone who has really encouraged me and inspired me and someone who I look up to. And so I'm happy to have him here in the studio. And I'd like to welcome him, Mr. Todd Collins. TC, thanks for being yes, here, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Josh. This is... Uh... I don't get to do this a lot, so it's uh, it's fun, man. Yeah. I don't know if I don't get to. I just don't, you know. Yeah. So it's this is this is cool. Plus, man, all of your your dad and your uncles and stuff, those are some of my favorite guys on the whole planet. So. Well, I know they say the same thing about oh, you. They, I love those guys. I've uh, known those guys for almost thirty years. Yeah, man. yeah, it's funny. So every once in a while, when I'm with my dad and my and my uncles. Um, sometimes they'll tell a story from way back in the day yeah. and oftentimes your name will come up that, oh, Todd Collins was there doing this or doing that and <laughs> always, always great stories. Probably from when, when causing trouble <laughs> or havoc or yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd like to, um, you know, some of our listeners may know who you are. Some of them may not. And so I'd love to give you an opportunity just to introduce yourself. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. And then if you wouldn't mind just sharing 
uh, how you came to know the Katinas and what the uh, what your relationship with them is. Okay. Um, well, like like you said, my name's Todd Collins. I've been in the Christian and kind of pop music industry for well since 1989. So that's what 32 years, 33 years, going on 33 years. No, I think that's. 30? No, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Going 33. on 33. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I'm an, I'm an OG man. I don't think of myself as that, but I've been around a long time. <laughs> um, I've uh, I started Goatee Records back in '94 uh, with a couple of dudes named Joey Elwood and Toby McKeon. Um, we went through that whole thing. Had a bunch of bunch of artists, bunch of successful artists. Uh, one of which was your dad's group, um, and your uncles with the Katinas. And, um, so yes, yeah, so I've been, I, I play, I, I produce records. I've produced records since, since about 1990, 89, 1990. Um, I've, uh, I play live stuff. I've, I've played, uh, played and recorded with Kelly Clarkson and, um, gosh, just tons of people. Yeah. I don't even know. I mean, over 30 years it's a long yeah. list. So you have the credentials. No, you got your, <laughs> No, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to flash those. <laughs> um, how did I meet the Katinas? So the, I met the Katinas at um, like everything else in my in my life and career through sports. Okay. Um, I played college basketball and I got into music because my my father was a a music pastor. Or at back then they used to call them um, music directors at church. So um, I always wanted to be in sports. Even after I finished playing, I wanted to be a coach, go into coaching. Um, God had another plan, led me into music, kind of accidentally, and I met um, I met the Katinas at a basketball game. Hmm. We were we used to play kind of we used to have an industry game at night. Like it would start at like 11 or 12 midnight. We'd go till two or three in the morning and uh, we would play at a church. And one night the five guys came and um, we just had a great time. Of course, those guys, they could play, especially back then they could play together. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, we had a great time, like I said. And at the end, I can remember everybody leaving except seven guys. It was the five Katinas. No, eight guys. It was the five Katinas, me and Joey and Toby, mm. all standing around a, a, a piano. Sam's playing a piano. Those guys are singing, and we were blown away. Wow. This was back whenever they were transitioning out of Maranatha music, uh-huh. and they didn't have a deal. Mm-hmm. And it was that night that, that sparked the idea of, we got to sign these guys. Wow. We've got to sign these guys. Wow. And that was, gosh, that was back in 90... Five? Wow. I want to say. Amazing. What what year were you born? I was born in 96. Oh, so. dear. Oh, Lord. The, the year that Jesus Freak came out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah. So that sounds... I actually remember when I was very young going to a few of those basketball nights at that yeah. church. I, I remember. Uh, yeah, I remember so when you were walking around and you were I had no, I had no idea that that's how you guys met. And I've never yeah. heard that story. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we kind of met around a piano. I mean, I wow. say... I say and it was a basketball game. And we got to know them. And of course, you know the guys. They're super amazing as people especially when you first meet them and and uh i just remember standing around that piano with my jaw on the floor because everything they did sounded so good and so that kind of started the relationship and we ended up signing them and we did i think 
four records on Goatee. Okay. I want to say four. I did two or three of them, okay. I think. And they may have done more. I, I don't remember, but they I'm did well. The to, I'm not the guy to ask <laughs> yeah. on that one. They've I had like 14,000 yeah, records yeah. anyway, so what's four of well, them? <laughs> honestly, so Goatee, when I think of like the music industry, Goatee Records is like the first thing I think of because growing up, that was my introdu- introduction to it. I remember getting to go to, I'm sure you guys had offices, mm-hmm. um, going to the office and yeah. meeting some of the artists and even uh, getting to go into the studio. That mm-hmm. was like my first experience around music in that sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I do remember that, believe it or wow. not. Yeah. yeah. I remember, I, remember I specifically remember, this is funny, my my dad and his brothers must have been working on a, on a record or something and I got brought to the studio and I think I was just being too loud. Or I was very young. And so they had to kick me out. And there was a guy, um, I don't know why he was at the studio. Maybe he was working on something else, but his name was Notaverbs. <laughs> and somehow he got put in charge of taking care of me. No way. Uh, for like the day or whatever. And I remember just, I thought he was the coolest guy ever. Ended up listening to his music later on. And I, I realized, wow, that guy was like my babysitter for an hour yeah. or two. And but. he's a great guy. Verbs yeah. is awesome. Yeah. He's great, man. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I mean, they're, the, the industry is so small. And we got so fortunate and blessed to, to have great relationships with not only just random people, but our artists. And so all of our artists were kind of like a family. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people, you know, use that word and it's kind of cliche a little bit, but. But we really were kind of, we were like a close-knit team. Mm. Everybody, yeah. artists, owners, producers, everything. Yeah. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun, man. And the Katinas were right in the middle of it. Mm. I mean, right in the middle of it. And they and they did well. Some of their, a couple of their records did really well mm-hmm. uh, as far as uh, scans, mm-hmm. you know, sales. Yeah. So we were uh, we were happy with those guys, man. We loved yeah. it. It was those some good years, man. Yeah, I think some great years. They they all look back on those years fondly and oh, yeah. always have great stories. And so thank you for that introduction. And <laughs> um, I, I talked to you a little bit before we started recording uh, to kind of tell you how this podcast is laid out, and it's not scripted. It's really not planned. The only thing that is planned is that for first time guests, I have three questions. Um, and the first two questions are really things that I'm more interested in. Mm-hmm. And then the third question is a little bit more about you. And so we'll get there when we get there. All right. um, but you don't know these questions. So this is a, a raw take right here. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Um, but uh, for your first question, I would love to ask you because, you know, this year, uh, starting this year, I've really been... Um, dialed in and and committed to working on learning about music production and what it means to be a producer. Um, And you're someone who uh, has a wealth of knowledge about that. And so (laughs) I would like to ask you for my listeners, but even more for myself, um, when it comes to making music, what is the job of a producer? That's a great question. Um, I've, I've answered this question a few times, like on panels and that kind of stuff. And it's kind of evolved over the years. There's two main things, in my opinion, about being a producer. First and foremost is your ear. That's your most important tool. 
If you don't have a good ear, don't even worry about being a producer. Now, I say that to say, if you don't have a good ear, how do you know if you have a good ear or not, right? It's, you know, it's development, talking to people. People will tell you, man, you got a good ear. Or, you know, you just have to kind of, and you know, you, mm-hmm. you can hear stuff. The other thing is dealing with and making records with artists. You have, a, you have to have a really good sense of psychology. Hmm. I always say I'm a back uh, I'm a back alley psychologist, not a producer. Because hmm. to me, it's like seventy or eighty percent psychology, hmm. twenty or thirty percent music. Yeah, you know, especially when you're dealing with an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, think of it this way: um, if you go into a psychologist or a psychiatrist, you have like an hour, mm-hmm. sometimes two hours, to talk about your problems or mm-hmm. talk about get to know somebody. You know, get to know the the doctor or whatever, if you're set in a room by a, a record label or an A&R guy, you've got five or 10 minutes to talk to this artist to get them to be comfortable with you, mm. to be able to talk with you and feel comfortable. Because at the end of the day, you need them to be as comfortable as possible to be able to give you every idea that comes from their heart, not from their head, comes out of their heart that's protected, right? Yeah. you need them to be comfortable to be able to give you those ideas. Mm -hmm. That way you're going to get the best possible project. If they're holding back on anything, you're going to get something that's not going to be a hundred percent authentic. So I like to think of it as being a psychiatrist Hmm. or a psychologist, you know? So it's, it's, it's kind of weird. I I think that is uh, uh, slightly profound what you said, because I'm learning that myself. Um, I told you that I'm working on producing a single for, it's a friend of mine, mm-hmm. uh, first time I've ever done this, and it's really great that it's with a friend because uh, I have a little more leeway to kind of learn. And mm-hmm. and, and you kind of already know him. Yes, yeah. I, I already know him, and um, I've that is a challenge that I wasn't expecting when it came to uh, helping him make this song because, you know, I've been trying to learn all the technical aspects of things and... Uh, you know, find a sound that I that I like and that I feel like is authentic to me. But then when you throw in another person who has he has his background and his preferences and his uh, vision for the song, which is uh, we try and be have some synergy, but there's always differences when it comes to that. Learning the balance between like making it uh, something that I think basically making it my song or making it what he sees the song as because at the end of the day he's the artist mm-hmm. I'm the producer and so how do you find the balance between when when you're working on a song with an artist how do you find the balance between you know executing the artist's vision mm-hmm. but also um making the song yours as well making the song sound like you as well yeah I, I know exactly what you're saying it's Again, it comes down to certain mental psychology, and I don't want to say games, but it's there's some wrangling that Mm -hmm. goes there. Um, You have to be able to read a room, Mm -hmm. you know, as soon as you walk in, read a room. But the uh, I would say the thing is, for me, and this has kind of evolved over the years. At first, when I first started, as you you guys would call it now, making beats, but Mm -hmm. when I first started making records. Mm Um, you know, I wanted everything to be authentic and I see, I was real into rap, run DMC and Eric B and Rakim and LL Cool J, all that stuff. So I wanted to make those kind of records, you know? 
Um, and I realized real fast that most people don't want to make those kind of records. Right. You know, even if I wanted to make things sound that way with somebody singing over them, mm-hmm. couldn't do that. Mm. So I had to really learn real quick that I couldn't be married to anything that was a hundred percent me. Hmm. I have to, I had to start realizing that it's going to maybe at the most be 50% me, hmm. maybe sometimes even 20% mm-hmm. me. Now in the case, in the case of your dad and, and your uncle's group, we were more because we grew up on the same music and the same styles of music. Mm-hmm. We became more 50, 50, like almost anything that I would like, they liked mm. and almost anything that they liked I liked mm. you know so it was real easy but sometimes you just can't be married to you know like man you may think you got a hot kick drum mm-hmm. and the artist man hey can we kick it you gotta be like all right cool it's out mm. you gotta get it out you know because at the end of the day it's about two things in my opinion it's about the song first and foremost mm-hmm. and the artist mm. everything else is secondary mm. you know that's kind of how great. I look at it that's a. I have to keep it simple for myself, and that's yeah. simple to me, you no, know. That's, that's in my head. That's great advice. I. That's something that I'm working through right now, and I think it is um, important to remember, like the social intelligence aspect of being a producer, because it's a collaborative process. You're working mm-hmm. with other people. It's not, you know, up until literally like a few months ago i've never worked really directly with other people when it comes to making music it's always just been me so there's never been another voice in the room saying well maybe we should do it this way maybe we should do it that way it's always just been whatever i think needs to go in the song that's what that's how the song goes and Mm so um you're stretching that's yeah. that's a that's a stretching process. Yeah, you know? it is definitely a stretching. And it's good. Process. It's 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 good growth. Yeah, you know? it's I been think. great. How did you um, how did you go from being an athlete to getting into into music? What was that journey? That's a, like? that's a good question. Um, when I was in junior high and high school, well, I grew up loving sports. My dad was an athlete, and my brother's an athlete or was an athlete. Um, and so we lived we lived in an athletic family, even though my father was a music pastor or a minister of music, so to speak. Um, so I I basically lived a double life. Hmm. So I was always at church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night rehearsals. Hmm. So I was playing all that stuff. Like every night I was playing for the choir. Uh, I was playing for the youth choir. Even when I was a kid, like mm. a small kid in sixth grade, I'd be playing for the high school choir and the adult choir and the, you know, these the ensemble groups. And so, and if somebody was not there, you know, I would have to switch off and play something else. Mm. That's so music was just always in me. Right. I just didn't really take it super serious. And I always sang, I would sing, you know, dad would make me sing on Sunday night sometimes, or if I'm in the youth choir, I would always have a solo, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Um, it's a scary thought, man. Good <laughs> gracious. Um, but anyway, so it was always music came easy to me, but it was not something that I was super passionate about. Mm. I was passionate about sports yeah. and, um, especially basketball. And so I went to, uh, so I was really good in junior high school and then moved up to, to high school and became, you know, all County, all state, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Got a, 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 a full ride scholarship to play college ball, did that for four years. And then I was going to stay in sports and go into coaching. And I just happened to make a call to a guy that was in my church that was already in Nashville 
already working. He had been part of a, this group called Truth that they, you know, they travel around, do their thing. And uh, he had he had done a stint in that in that. And then he uh, moved to Nashville and he was working on a um, he was working on two records. He was working on a record for Star Song, uh, a guy named Nathan DeJezer. He was a pianist, kind of okay. like a Dino type okay. pianist. And then he was also working for Jeff Moore in the distance. He was producing that record. And he, uh, I talked to him and he said, man, why don't you come up to Nashville and just stay for a couple of weeks and just hang out? Because I was going to start a master's program. And so I said, yeah, you know what? I've never been to Nashville. I'll come up there. Well, I came up. I brought my MPC. I had an old MPC wow. 60. And I ended up working on that that piano record, that mm-hmm. Nathan DeJezer record. Uh, ended up doing backgrounds and did programming stuff and played on it and all that stuff. And I just caught the bug. Mm. And I did my two weeks, went down to Miami, got all my stuff, quit master's, quit my master's program, wow. moved to Nashville, and told my parents that that I was moving to Nashville wow. after I was already in Nashville. Wow. So, what a that, that's a leap. That was a leap of faith. Totally. Sure. But I mean, I was twenty one I was twenty one years old. You know, yeah. you're you're stupid when you're there. You know, I was just like I was just <laughs> You're just on stupid a whim. enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, no, I, I really feel looking back at on it, um God had a, a plan for that. You know, uh, he knew what he was doing. I didn't know what he was doing or didn't know what I was doing. And um and you know, people will ask me, Well, how do you break into the music industry or what did you do to I'm like, I'm the wrong guy to ask hmm. because I got here and I made kind of a demo and I started working. I, you know, there was yeah. not really that period of struggling, starving artist period. I yeah. met Toby within a week of getting wow. here, Toby and Joey. And then, and it just, we just meshed and clicked and started working on a new thing record. Um, and it just kind of took off from there. Wow. You know, it's uh. so what year would that have been? That was 19... 19- 80, I moved here to Nashville in late August, early September of 89. Okay. We started I we started working on stuff almost immediately. 90, we started working on the New Thing record. Okay. And I think the, the New Thing record came out in 91, wow. I want to say. So over 30 years now, you've, you've been in it. It's funny hearing you talk about the NPC because... Um, you know, I've never worked with one. I know what it is, and yeah. uh, you know, I would like, oh, I would like to. Um, you good? Yeah, I'm good. All right, I would like for to, the listeners that <laughs> my my mic just fell on me. <laughs> um, I would like to ask you though, just from like a technical aspect. Yeah. From 1989, 1990 um, to today, 2022, how like what are the biggest changes that you've seen when it comes to like the actual gear that people use to make music in a studio and yeah. and you know the software that we're using what's the biggest change that you've seen the biggest change is the tech is the technical change yeah. because you can literally make you can make a good actually you can make a great sounding record if you know what you're doing yeah. in a car mm-hmm. you know as long as you have a power source everything's gotten smaller and everything's gotten sounding better and nobody and um that's the that's been the biggest change. I mean, it's everything. Put it this way: I went to a studio this past week. I was working on a record, and I took my recording rig mm-hmm. with me, everything, mic, everything, and it was all in a backpack. Wow! And that's all I needed. Yeah. 
including the the keyboard. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you've got the the two octave little mm-hmm. MK MPK guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, it everything fit fit in a backpack. Yeah. And um that's been the biggest change cuz see when I came in I had a big MPC 60 in an anvil case. I say big. You could carry it around, but it's a lot bigger than a than a uh, than a briefcase yeah. and a lot heavier. Um, and that's all I had mm-hmm. was that. And then we would sync it up and make make a, a record on two inch tape with the huge tape machine, <laughs> Studer eight twenty seven. Your 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 dad's records were on. Uh, you know, his first record was on a Studer eight twenty seven uh-huh. two inch tape. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's massive changes. You don't need studios anymore. Right. I mean, we're we're in your bedroom mm-hmm. talking, and this is a great sounding recording. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah, you know. Are you familiar with Billie Eilish? Of course. So I don't know if this is true or not, but the story is that her like her debut album that won a Grammy or whatever. Yeah. Her and her brother recorded it in her literally in her bedroom. Yeah, which is that's true. Crazy yeah. to me. Yeah, it yeah. and. Imagine being me, the old guy. Yeah, I mean that's crazy <laughs> to me. You know. Yeah, I um, think most people, if they're not like around music today, when they think of like where music is made, they think of like the huge soundboards and yeah. the big vocal booths. And there's like this picture of Dr. Dre that comes to my mind yes. of him like leaning over the big uh, SSL board. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea what those things even do. I wouldn't I've even used, know how to use them. Used them tons. Yeah, they're huge and they're you know they're million dollar boards mm-hmm. and they sound amazing. But you don't need them yeah. nowadays. Dude, how how often do people use those today? It's been years since I've used one. Yeah. And I use studios still a lot, but it's all everything's in the box yeah. now, you know? Yeah. It's a it's amazing. I think it's become music and specifically music production has just become way more accessible for the everyman out there. And yes. like the you used to have to pay for studio time, uh pay for you know, all of those things mm-hmm. now for relatively cheap you can have everything that they had back in the 90s in your bedroom and, oh no question amazing. and and that to me as again the old guy that to me has been one of the greatest things about the advancement of music and it's also been one of the worst things about music yeah. because there's so many knuckleheads that can make you know what I call a laptop producer now mm-hmm. there's so many knuckleheads that can do that in their bedroom or in their bathroom or mm-hmm. whatever. And so now you have on Spotify and Apple and all that other stuff, all the, all the services. Now you have to sift through a bunch of crap mm-hmm. to get some of the gems. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're paying for studio time, you better know your crap. Yeah. You know, yeah. you better know your stuff. Yeah. And um, so that's why, you know, people would stand outside of record stores at 12 midnight and, you know, buy records and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Cause you, you, you're almost guaranteed that, if I'm standing in line for a De La Soul record, it's going to be a good record. Mm. You know, nowadays, you don't know. You may yeah. get one song. Yeah. You know, but most people don't even download full records either. Mm. Everything's a la carte, yeah, including me. I don't yeah. do that either. You know. Yeah. So it's a it's a vast change, and the money's changed. Mm-hmm. You know, the change the change of the revenue is vastly different. So mm. there's a lot of change, a lot for good, some not for not so good. Yeah. You know? I feel like I could talk to you about this for hours, but oh, I, I can move, totally do it. I'm gonna <laughs> move on to your second question, <laughs> okay. and I love to. This is not the first time I've asked a guest this question, but I don't ask all my guests this question because um, not all of them have, uh, a, not all of them would have a good answer for me. But 
<laughs> whenever I have um, someone who's been around the Katinas for years and yeah. you know, specifically worked with them, I love to ask if they would like to share, if there's a story that comes to your mind, um, whether it's a, a funny moment or uh, something profound that happened to you with the Katinas. I just love hearing stories about them from back in the day. If there's anything that comes to your mind that well, you'd like to share. Yeah, well, the two, a couple of things. The first thing is I've never liked that guy, Jesse. <laughs> never liked him at all, ever. He's a uh. jerk because um, he's the youngest. Um, and he's the prettiest, too. Um, no, uh, actually, the, 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 uh, one of the stories that comes to mind has to do with your dad. Hmm. Because he's the drummer. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm a drummer. And being a pro producer, the drums as the foundation is probably the most important thing to me. Because mm -hmm. if it's like building a house. Mm -hmm. If you have the drums right and a solid foundation, then you can build on that foundation. It's probably going to be pretty good. Right. right? So I've worked with tons of amazing <clears throat> drummers, tons of drummers in general. One of my favorite drummers I've ever worked with I've, and I've always said this to people. I'm not saying this because I'm on the show. Has been your dad. Wow. Now, is he the is he the most technically solid? No. And he would tell you that. Mm -hmm. But to me, he's one of the best accompanying drummers. Mm -hmm. He doesn't try to be flashy. And for a producer that tries to keep things about the song, he's a perfect drummer. Mm -hmm. Because he's an accompanist. He's not a chops guy mm -hmm. i can't stand drummers that are chops guys yeah. you know what i'm saying and and i've worked with drummers that are chops guys and i always pull them back i'm like dude less <laughs> cymbals all right cool all right dude less toms mm -hmm. all right you know less fills less you know just sit on it your dad is one of those drummers that based on how he came up listening to the songs that influenced him he just sits on it and mm -hmm. he grooves and i've always loved that and i almost never have to tell him Hey, do this instead of this. Or, you know, he wow. always just feels that, especially on the very last record we made, which was the, um, it was the worship record, the vo the first volume. Uh -huh. um, I can't remember. Live at the Rock? No. Or uh, Lifestyle? No, it was the... Um, oh, man. This there's, there's, two, there's two records, they, that there's a, 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 two volumes. I did the first volume. Okay. This might be before my time. I'm not well, sure. it was back in 2012. Oh, uh, Sunday set. Thank you. Yes, yes. Sunday set. Sun Sunday set. The first one. <laughs> okay, okay. And that was, you know what? Oddly enough, that was the my favorite record I made with those guys. Hmm. And I made, I think that was my fourth one, maybe my third one that I made with the Katinas. That was my favorite one because we really had to kind of dig in all with each other mm -hmm. and and figure out arrangements and stuff. But your dad was solid. I mean, he was freaking solid. And I just remember thinking, man, and the drums sounded good. He, it's just that to me st stuck out about that whole thing, especially on that on that session. Now, some of the other sessions on some of the other records, we would do programming and stuff. And and your dad has always been super cool about incorporating new technical things. He was not a guy that goes, "I got to play on this." Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. if it called for it, he would. Yeah. Uh, or if it called for a different player, in the case of like the second record that we did. He played. He didn't play on one of the Tommy Sims songs. Okay, and he was cool with it. Yeah, you know, of course, you know he's gonna, he's going to be singing and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. He's singing all this high stuff and all that yeah. stuff. 
But um, I've always been impressed by that, man. He's huh. always been just such a uh, team player, big well, time. Dad, I know you're listening. Those are mad props from TC right there. Joe's my man. He, I freaking love Joe, he, man. He told me a story. So recently they were playing a show here in Franklin. Yeah. And there was another uh, artist who opened up for them. And his last song, my dad and Michael James and Uncle Yeti just decided to go up and play behind him. He was just playing on a guitar. And I don't think they've ever played together before, but my dad and them are comfortable doing that. They mm-hmm. do that a lot. And uh, afterwards, this artist, he told my dad, Joe, having you as a drummer is kind of like riding a horse. Like the horse just knows where you're going. They just know how to, <laughs> they know what you want to do. My dad was, yep. he was very flattered by that. And it's because he sings while he plays. Hmm. So he, so he plays as if he's accompanying himself hmm. as a singer, yeah. which to me in my head as a producer and a musician, that makes sense to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of drummers just play to either show off or they play to hit hard or whatever. Your dad plays to accompany the song and the artist. And there's not a lot of guys that do that, especially nowadays in the social media world, mm-hmm. you know. But um, the thing that I've always loved about the guys and this, the other story that I was going to tell you is anytime that I'm in the area, um, they always ask me, hey, come and play play the show. We're doing a show near such and such. Bring your stuff and play. because. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of their songs, mm-hmm. obviously, and um, they've but they've always asked me to come and hey, sit in and come play. Mm-hmm. And so I'll go and I'll take my rig or whatever yeah. and sit in and we'll play the you know play the play the show. It's so it's always fun because those guys they they know what they're doing and it's some of my favorite style of music. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing those stories. I uh, I love hearing that, and I, I know that they have a lot of great memories and stories with you um i guess we'll move on now to your third question oh oh real quick yeah one other story and this will be real quick okay the other story is i caused james your uncle james mm-hmm. to pop his achilles achilles <laughs> his achilles yep. tendon in a basketball game I, I, I <laughs> i'm not real proud about that yeah, i knew it looked like you were a little proud <laughs> sorry james <laughs> yeah his, i did cross him yeah, up a little bit <laughs> I, a few years later he popped the other one so it, it was <laughs> Some of that was genetic. So. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, no, that, that you'll remember. He, I'm sure he remembers. Oh yeah, we've talked about it before. It's funny. Yeah, it's, we laugh about it now. I felt bad. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, we'll move on to your third question, uh-huh. and this is a question that I ask all my guests, and it's intentionally open ended. Mm-hmm. Um. So answer it however you'd like to. But the question is this: What's going on at home? What's going on at home? Uh. I, you know what's funny is I, I tell people I'm kind of semi-retired because mm-hmm. I'm old now, or I look at myself no, as old. No, you're not old. Um, I think of myself as old. So um, I'm not doing nearly as much producing anymore, which I'm okay with. I'm actually kind of happy about that. I get to work on the stuff that I'm passionate about mm-hmm. and, and that I like. And I'm at home with my wife, and I'm... I. Uh, collect sneakers mm. and I make beats as you guys say mm-hmm. now um I still love music I'm still absolutely moved and turned on by music um I still do a lot of working out I see your your dad and your his brothers at the gym a mm. lot you know and stay in touch with those guys um 
but I kind of have, well, the other thing is, is my, uh, my, my father passed away this past May, which was unexpected. And, uh, and that kind of, that, that hit me weird because I'm as a, as a 50 something year old guy, I've never had somebody that immediate in my family die yet. You know, I've been, I've been lucky. And dad, even though dad was 78 years old, it was, he, he went, he was, he was healthy, but he went suddenly. And, um, and so that's been, that was, that's been a, a change for me to get used to about that because I didn't realize that even though I didn't talk to my dad every day, I didn't realize how much of a, um, a staple or a, or a, a, um, a cornerstone in my life he was, mm. you know, the fact that I can't just call him up and say, Hey dad, what's going on? And that kind of stuff is, is weird to me now, yeah. you know, but, um, but having saying having said that, I I just kind of live a very peaceful, under the radar. Um, I don't do a lot of stuff because I don't choose to. I, I I like being, you know, not doing a ton as far as like going out and doing things. And yeah. I, I'm not one of those guys, you know. So I'm just kind of uh, I'm enjoying the e not the easy life, but the peaceful life, mm -hmm. you know. So I'm I, I'm at more I'm more at peace now in my life now than I've ever been. Wow. So that's, that's, that's kind of in long form what's going on at home, I guess, yeah. you know, I, I've asked this, um, before. So, uh, in March of this year, I lost my grandmother, um, mm -hmm. uh, my mom's mom and, um, kind of similar to you. She's, that's her first, my grandfather's still alive. Mm -hmm. Um, it was one of her first kind of run-ins, uh, with death that close to the family. Yeah. And I've asked my mom this, and I'd like to ask you, uh, if you're comfortable talking about it, mm -hmm. um, do you feel like your perspective of death has changed Absolutely. recently? Absolutely. And, and in what way has, has it? Yes. Uh, I, I have gone from, the older I get, the more I, I feel like I don't fear dying or mm -hmm. death. But when my when my dad passed away, I was almost envious mm. that he got to leave all of this craziness that's going on and and go be with Jesus. Mm. And you know, I can I can get emotional thinking about it and talking about it. But I almost got I almost found myself being envious or jealous of him getting to go. Mm. You know, even though it was quick and he went quick, mm -hmm. and he, it was painless and so forth for him. But I was like, man. I want to go with you, mm -hmm. you know? And so now after he's gone, I absolutely don't fear going, mm -hmm. you know, my kids are grown. I've got a grandkid now. That's the, that's the one thing that I, I would miss. But, but, you know, I've been blessed in my life. Um, I'm healthy. I continue to stay healthy. I've done some really cool things and, and still have a lot of great relationships. But if I go tomorrow, I'll actually be happy, mm -hmm. you know? And I've never, I've never really felt like that. that. That peaceful, it's it's almost like a peaceful way of thinking about yeah. death. Because I know absolutely where I'm going, and um, you know, I'll get to see my dad again. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, if that's no, hopefully that's not too morbid. No, no, you know? I don't think it is at all. I think my mom will say that she feels heaven feels so much closer to, to her now. That's a great way to yeah. put it too. Yes. Yeah. No question. And, and one thing I've, I've asked people before and you've kind of already answered it, but I like to ask people, are you afraid to die? Mm -hmm. And, um, 
you know, I asked that because it uh, kind of how you said not to be too morbid, but death is something that I've, um, I'm very fascinated by. Mm-hmm. And I spend probably more time than the average person thinking about it, not because I want to die. Um, <laughs> I definitely don't. Um, but I think that death is such, uh, it, it's, it's the great unifier for everyone. That's true. You know, everyone, uh, everyone's going to die one day. Yeah. We're all going to die. Yeah. And I think that the fact that life itself is not infinite, it's not eternal, at least not on this side of heaven, mm-hmm. um, it makes, it, it's what adds a lot of meaning to what we do day to day, in my opinion. The people have been, I've heard people say, uh, be asked if you could live forever, would you want to? And uh, it sounds nice, living forever sounds nice, but if we're honest, at least if I'm honest, if I knew that I was never going to die, death would never come for me in this life, it would be hard for me to want to do anything. Yeah. To have, it's a good point. Uh, it, that, have any motivation or yeah, yeah. knowing that this is finite, it, it gives me a lot of meaning in life. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think losing my grandmother uh, this year, that kind of closer run in with death than I'm used to, it, uh, it was a good reminder for me and, and um, something that reminded me that this isn't forever. And so, to make it count and, and to live fully. Well, I, I have a question for you based on. My perception, and I say my perception, meaning an outsider's perception of looking in at you, knowing your family and so forth, but looking specifically in at you, the where you're grinding every day, like you're going to a nine to five job and then you're coming home and you're making beats <laughs> on a daily basis because you set a goal for yourself and you dedicated yourself to a year's worth of 365 songs mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Um, that's impressive. That's hugely impressive to me. Thank you. And to me, that makes me think, all right, so what is it about? Is, is that, is the death thought to you? Is that part of you want to make your mark? You want to do something to make your mark. You want to do something that you're passionate about. I know that's kind of what drives me a little bit. You know, I want to work on things that I'm passionate about, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, you never know when you're going to go. Obviously, Right. Yeah. That's a good question. I've never really thought of it like that. I think, to be honest, so I got married just over a year ago. My wife and I mm-hmm. just celebrated our year anniversary. Yeah. Congratulations, this week. by Thank the way. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I graduated from college now almost three years ago. Yeah. Um, and I think, honestly, in 2020, when the pandemic happened, uh, I was home just like everyone else a lot of time to myself to think um and you know i started questioning a lot of like what is where what am i doing that's meaningful yeah and you know having meaning is something that's really important to me personally i think it's just the way my personality is Mm -hmm. it's hard for me when you talk about grind like i'm not the kind of person that I don't want to grind just for the sake of the grind. Yeah. I want to grind because I want to grind for something that I care about and something that I'm passionate about. Um, 
And I wish I was the kind of person that could just be super disciplined every day and do things that I that I don't want to do just for the sake of being disciplined, but I'm not. And so um, I, I need meaning and I need purpose and I need a dream. Mm-hmm. And my dream is to make music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, I only get one life. And I think during 2020, you know, I was reminded at how short life can be. Um, and how, uh, any meaning that I have in my life, I'm going to have to make it for myself. Yeah. And, and, you know, what's funny is, is, it's interesting you say that because I was going to say, sometimes people think, well, I want to do something that has meaning, you know, doing something that has meaning doesn't mean that you have to go and work at a homeless shelter or help starving children or whatever. That's all, that's all great. Yeah. But the fact that you're dedicating yourself to something that you're passionate about is having meaning. Mm-hmm. And in, in doing that, you're touching other people that you don't even know mm-hmm. that are looking at you going, this guy has some unbelievable dedication and motivation. That's inspiring to me. You know, that kind of, I mean, I look at it and I'm a 50 something year old guy looking at a 20 something year old dude that's doing the things that I did when I was your mm-hmm. age, basically. I never would have done a, a, a song or a beat a day. Mm. Never. And I'm inspired by that. I'm thinking to myself, dang, Josh is <laughs> Josh is working circles around me right now. And I'm I'm supposed to be the, you know, I'm supposed to be the old dude. I'm supposed to be the dude that knows how to do this, you know. Well, thank you. That so that that kind of thing, I, I think whenever you do something of meaning and it touches people, even though you don't know it's touching somebody somebody's always got their eyes on you. Mm. I'm one of those guys, mm. specifically on you. I don't always tell you that, but I see and I follow everything you're doing. Mm. And, um, you know, that's that's meaningful. That's meaningful to me. And that's inspiring to me. So I think I think you're on the right track. And I think that you've, I think that you're more motivated and dedicated than you think mm. you are. Well, thank you. you know? that, that means a lot to me. And uh, there's been a few times you've reached out this year and said, hey, I really like this track or, hey, listen to this. You might find some inspiration. That really has done a lot for me. And, you know, I, I grow up, I grew up in around music. So my family all knows about music and they're all passionate about music. But I didn't really grow up with, uh, I didn't grow up in music, if that makes sense. Like, sure, I. Yeah. I was kind of like you. I was sports was my thing growing up, and so a lot of my friends, my peers, and people I spend time with, music is not really their their niche. They're more sports people, or now they're working corporate jobs and whatever that is, which is great. But yeah. uh, I don't have a lot of people my age around me that are um, uh, deep into or passionate about music, and so. Um, having someone who who I know is passionate about music reach out to me and, and share those things with me it's it's meant a lot to me and you're one of very few people who has so thank oh, you. well thank you for saying that <laughs> I, I'm I'm like I'm just I'm moved by what you're doing I'm moved by the fact that you put it out there mm. and you've dedicated yourself because you put it out there there's a certain amount of pressure that I feel like you feel to keep going yeah. and, you know and doing that because you put it out there Definitely. I mean you made it public you know yeah. what it's one thing to 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 make a to make a statement or stamp something and go, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna work out every day for three hundred, you know, right. whatever. If you don't tell anybody, if you if you're not accountable to it, it's easy to not do it. It's yeah. easy to stop. Well, you've made yourself highly accountable 
by <laughs> not only telling your family and close friends and all that stuff, but everybody that, that sees you on social media. Right. So there's a certain amount of, I think, healthy pressure that yeah, goes with that. So I, I've, I'm, I'm very impressed by that. Let me ask you this. Um, as a producer and as a musician, have, have you ever struggled with um, like imposter syndrome? When it, like, have you ever felt like these people are expecting me to know yes. a lot? Yes, I, I know. But exactly I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, let, let me tell you something. It, especially in the uh, the beginning stages, early days, like when I was around your age, I I was so insecure about f- people finding out that I wasn't as good as hmm. they thought I was. Yeah, does that make sense? Totally. I don't want you know. I didn't want people to think that. Now, I, now keep in mind, in college, I studied music almost kind of secretly because I. Because all the guys on the basketball team, we'd always make fun of the music school people, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I was a part of that music school people, yeah. and most of the guys on the team didn't know I was in it. Mm-hmm. But um, so I studied music, so I knew theory and I knew how to read, I know how to read music and so forth. But when I got into the industry professionally, I was very insecure. And for many, many years, even producing major records, I didn't I didn't want people to find me out, mm-hmm. quote, find me out. Yeah. I didn't want to walk in the room and people go, we know about you. You're an imposter now. You know, I would, I would be insecure about that kind of thing. Yeah. So absolutely. I've, I have, I've had that for, for years. Now I've gotten to the age where I just don't even care. Hmm. You know, if I don't know something, I'll be like, Hey, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'll find out for you or I'll do the best I can to, to, to do something about it or get somebody that can and knows how, know, knows about it. But no, I don't even, I, you'll get to a point in your career where you'll be like, I don't care. Yeah. And the earlier you do that and get to that point, the better off you'll be. Yeah, that's good. It's funny. If you talk to uh, anyone who's become like a quote unquote expert on anything or a professional in their field, almost always people struggle with that. I talked to my cousin Jackson, James's oldest son. Yeah. He's going to school to be a physical therapist and he's currently in his clinical. So he's actually working with patients right now. And that's one thing that he faces is he doesn't want people to find out that he really doesn't know what's going on. (laughs) You know what? I think that's, I think there's a driving motivating factor in that. I think that's healthy to it. Yeah, I agree. I really do because, because the more you feel insecure about something that you, that you are passionate about, the more you're going to pour yourself into it, hopefully in a, in a healthy way. Yeah. Obviously there's unhealthy ways too, but I think that's, I, I think there's a certain amount of healthiness that goes along with that, you mm-hmm. know, but I've definitely struggled with that. I still struggle with it. I mean, everybody's insecure in, in something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I'm still insecure. I dude, I played this past week on a record with some of the best musicians in the, in the world mm-hmm. on the planet. And, and there, you know, some, some country musicians that mm-hmm. I didn't know some of them, I didn't know very well, but they're some of the best at their craft. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm the weak link. You know, I don't want anybody to know I'm the weak link, you know, that type of thing. So, so I, but I think that's good. I think it's healthy, you know? Let me, um, I'll ask you one more question before we finish up. And I have a question for you, but so go ahead. Um, my question is, uh, at, at this phase in your life and this season of your life, what is your dream? Wow. Dang, Josh, that's a great question. What is my dream? Um, I, you know what? In a way, I'm kind of living my dream. I'm living peacefully. Mm. I'm living um, 
I'm living in a way where I'm comfortable. I'm at peace with who I am. I'm at peace with who I'm with. Mm-hmm. Um, I love who I'm with. Um, I love the people around me. And the older I get, the, the closer my circle continues to grow. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess... Can it grow closer? Shrink. Shrink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's shrinking. You're growing closer with the Yes, with the yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I'm good with that. I, that's that's by design. I want yeah. to be that way cuz I'm kind of a private person. Um no, I'm not kind of a, I am a private person. Mm-hmm. I want people to know what I want them to know type mm-hmm. of thing. Um but um what would my dream be? You know what, honestly, um I would like to continue to do more. Mm-hmm. Um, on a on a broader scale, continue to do more of what I'm doing currently, mm-hmm. playing live, mm-hmm. playing on live records. I love doing that. I love playing live, mm-hmm. especially in live settings, mm-hmm. not necessarily on records. I do love playing live on records, but yeah. in live settings, I love that. Because growing up producing records, I was always in the studio. I didn't right. get to do a lot of that. I, I toured with DC Talk for a long time and did all that kind of stuff. But then I came off the road and I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I was strictly in the studio. So I love playing in live settings. Love doing that. And honestly, I still love making records. Now, I don't like making the amount of records that I used to. Mm-hmm. I used to have two and three records going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I now I got to kind I get to kind of pick and choose what I want to work on right. and you know that kind of thing. So I'd like to do more of that. That's mm-hmm. more of my dream is continue to do more of what I'm doing. So that's awesome. It sounds kind of no, no. Kind of boring and hokey, but... No, that sounds amazing to me. <laughs> I, I like asking people that because I think it's so important to have a dream. It and, absolutely and, is. Um, absolutely is. And I want to continue to to uh, to bolster my sneaker collection. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Jesse will understand that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. Um, as a producer, and this is one of the things that I always ask an artist or fellow producers, especially artists, though... What, um, and this is from a, I, I can tell a lot about a person about this when I ask him this question. Um, so this is kind of a psychological thing, but it's also, I personally enjoy getting to know what this is. So it's a stupid question. What are you listening to and inspired by currently right now? That is a great question. Um, I think, so there's a, I, we were actually talking about this before, but um, on Spotify, I'm able to find new artists pretty mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a specific artist who I've been listening to. Um, his name's Redvale. He's from Maryland, I think. And I found I actually found his music on TikTok. Funny enough, and then went to his Spotify and have been listening to him. He's like a hip hop rap artist, I guess. I think people would probably classify him as like underground hip hop kind of right now. Um, but the reason I'm inspired by him is, uh, he's producing all of his own stuff. Um, and writing like lyric, he's lyrically very gifted and talented and he's only like 18 years old. And Mm. I had no idea when I first listened to him, he sounds so seasoned and, and, uh, I, I, I don't know what the word is, but, he doesn't sound like an 18 year old, at least when I was listening to him. And so I've been learning, listening a lot to his stuff, um, recently. And one other, uh, artist that, 
that has kind of come up in my rotation lately, and it's someone who I've been listening to a lot, or have listened to a lot through my life, mainly because of my dad. Um, and he always seems to come back. I go through like phases of man where I listen to him, like man, this guy is just amazing. Is Michael Jackson? Oh, I, I, I go in and out of like. There's just seasons of my life mm-hmm. where I just I'm listening to Michael Jackson a yeah. lot and it never gets old to me. Yeah. Quincy's my hero. Yeah. Quincy Jones is my hero. Yeah. I love and one thing I've noticed and I've told this to people before is that spending every day of this year making music has really changed the way I listen to music. I notice I'm noticing things in these Michael Jackson songs that I've listened to my whole life that I never noticed before yeah. and I'm appreciating it e- even more now. And so the King of Pop, I, uh, I'm Dude, inspired his, by him still. His records are fantastic. Yeah. And I listen to him semi-regularly mm. still. And mm. I'll still find stuff in certain songs that, you know, some of, sometimes some of the more obscure songs. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that, you know, Quincy did that, you know, yeah. or, or Mike did that or, you know. His stuff is unbelievable. I mean, you don't you don't get any better than that. There's, it never goes out of style. There's multiple times and multiple songs that I'll be listening to in my car or whatever, and I'll be thinking to myself, "This might be the greatest song of all time." Oh, no question. Yeah, <laughs> there's not many no other question. artists where I listen to them and think yeah. this might be the greatest. There's a few Michael Jackson songs. That I'm like. I don't know if it gets any better. If music so, can be any better. So that's a, actually, you bring up a good point. So if you had to choose one song, what song would that be? Do you have a... Do you have a, a Michael song? No. Like, if you had to choose one song that you could only have one song to listen to for the rest of your oh, life, would it, what would that song be? Do you know? Do you have one? Oh, that is tough. It's uh, a hard one. Yeah. I mean, the one that comes to mind that I think is just like, as close to perfect as it gets is Man in the Mirror. Mm. Yeah, um, it's great Just song. on all levels. It's great just song. amazing. But yeah. I guess that's my answer for yeah. you right now. There, it would be really hard for me to actually pick a song. Yeah, that's a tough. I have a, I have a slow song and an and a up-tempo song. What are they? Um, After the Love is Gone, mm. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Your brother's... It's funny. I was going to say... Uh, uh, he, that's a David Foster song with Maurice White and all that stuff. Earth, Wind, and Fire, After the Love is Gone, it would be the, that to me is the greatest ballad song arrangement-wise ever written. Mm-hmm. If I had to have one song, that would be it. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, uh, the up-tempo song would be another Earth, Wind, and Fire song, which is September, which is played at every wedding. Yeah. It's played every, that also you know, might be the greatest song of all time. Dude, it just, yeah. the groove of it just feels perfect. It's funny. So I've told this story before, but when I was younger, my dad, um, he found my, I was, I had an iPod back in the day and he found what I was listening to because I was always listening to music growing up and he heard what I was listening to and he was like, son, this is not good music. <laughs> and so <laughs> he actually, he went to the Target down the road from our house and they used to make these like, uh, like compilation CDs that you could yeah. buy at Target and he bought like the classic R&B compilation that target was selling oh yeah and the first song on that cd was after the love is gone and that's what that was like my introduction to my dad's music when it and i feel like his taste in music it, it has influenced me mm-hmm. uh growing up but yeah I, earth wind and fire yeah th- and they, that song their catalog is deep oh yeah. yeah that that song to this day i i, I still learn things about 
arrangements, mm. both vocally and melodically and all that stuff from that one song. I mean, that, that song, you can learn so much from that song. Mm. Just if you pick it apart, you know, go yeah. through it. The, the, you know, the key changes and the, and the modulations and the chord structures. And, and it's just unbelievable. Yeah. That, you, you know you're going to have to send me the the guy that you you're influenced yeah oh I, you know I you're gonna have will. to do that yeah right? i definitely will yeah so well todd thank you man for your time i could we could go for a few more hours oh I dude i could do this but, all night yeah, i love stuff like I, this. i really yeah. appreciate though you coming by and um want to thank you and let you know that the katina family holds you in high regard we well we really, i love all of you guys man you. i love all of you guys and and it's an honor to get to do this it's an honor to be have a, a relationship with with your dad and your your uncles and I, I there's some of the like I said earlier there's some of the favorite some of my favorite people on the whole planet and and uh, even you don't even know this but the other day whenever I uh, was at the gym I saw James your mm-hmm. uncle James and um, short story he was this is the type of person that your dad and uncles are all of them I was in the parking lot. I told James about my dad passing away. And of course, he was super sensitive to it. At the end of that conversation, he prayed with me out loud in that parking lot. Mm. That's the kind of integrity that all of those guys have. Mm. And I'll never, ever be able to, I won't forget it. And I won't ever be able to pay stuff like that back with the, uh, with the type of influence that those guys have had on my life. Mm. So, Thank you for sharing that, Todd. Yeah, man. Yeah, I appreciate your time. We'll, we'll do this again sometime. Absolutely. Maybe. Anytime, yeah. man. Awesome. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Awesome. For those of you listening, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with more episodes soon. Have a great day. Say a